This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. It is a Friday edition of In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL 106.7 as well on your FM dial. As always, I am Jackson Schneider with James Westling, and my voice has recovered nicely over the night because all it took, I, I, I'm not a huge yell at the TV guy, James. All it took was a 99 yard interception return for touchdown for me to let out the scream of all screams in excitement last night and I couldn't really talk at the end of the Chiefs game just from that one thing shows I'm a little bit out of shape still uh, in uh, in terms of my sports fandom in week two now but the Kansas City Chiefs somehow found a way to outlast the Los Angeles Chargers last night 27 to 24 it was a crazy contest we got to start there James your impressions on the Chiefs and how somehow they come away to be 2-0. and Yeah, I would say that my initial impressions were that this was kind of a gross game. Uh, this looked like a, a early season game. It looked like a week one game. I thought the Chiefs would be a little bit more polished against the Chargers. The Chiefs only had 319 yards. The Chargers had 401, but a lot of that was on that last drive, which was a garbage touchdown for the backdoor cover for Chargers <laughs> Nation out there. Um, but, you know, a, a win is a win. Going into that game, I was very concerned about the fact that the Chiefs were without their best corner in Trent McDuffie. And I would say that the defense played really well. They got pressure on Justin Herbert. They forced him into some bad throws, including the interception. But on the other side, Patrick Mahomes was not at his best. And the Chiefs still won. So that tells me that this team is a pretty well-rounded football team. They didn't rush the ball great. Um, So there's a lot of things you can nitpick. But man, in the NFL, especially against a team like the Chargers, who I think are a pretty good football team, a win is a win. And so uh, I'm very pleased that the Chiefs are sitting here 2-0, and even though, like I said, it was kind of a gross game in it my eyes. It was at times, but I, I feel like that's what good teams do in a way, is you're not going to see the crazy success that the Chiefs had in Week 1 because I don't think the Cardinals' defense is very good at all. And so obviously they're not going to struggle. But you've got a really talented team in the Chargers, both offensively and defensively. But both teams made each other look kind of ugly because that's how good these teams, I think, genuinely are. And and that's just a result. And it, and it may, again, it may be gross to an extent, but I think that that's what we're going to be in for for a handful of games in this AFC West this year because I do genuinely believe that all four teams are going to be very competitive, especially towards the end of the season. And I, if that's any indication last night of how this division is going to go, I'm, sign me up. I'm in for it 100% because that was a very fun football game, as gross as it may have been. And ultimately, hey, my team ended up with a W, so I'm not going to complain. That's for sure. One other comment, though, that I have on that game, of all the different opinions you could have, the different thoughts, Brandon Staley I think, is seeing ghosts. He was seeing ghosts last night. Because if you remember last year, the Chargers, especially in the game that they played in L.A., that Kansas City won in overtime, 
the Chargers went for it on fourth down multiple times. And they didn't get it a couple of times, and that's ultimately why the Chiefs won that game. So him, instead of going for it on a lot of fourth downs, they kicked field goals or punted on fourth and short situations. And I think that now ultimately led to the Chiefs winning last night. Um, So for one, if you're Brandon Staley, you can't win. You really just can't win um, whether you're going for it or not on the fourth downs. But I just genuinely think that last year and what happened in the last meeting between the Chiefs and Chargers was just looming really heavy in his mind. And that's how he made some more, we'll call it slightly conservative decisions as a head coach last night that led to the Chiefs finding a way to win. You know, it's funny because as I was watching the game, I I thought the same thing. I thought there were some fourth and shorts, especially early on in the game where L.A. had a chance to kind of put their foot on the gas pedal. Remember, they had a 10-0 lead last night against Kansas City. But when the game was done, I mean, the Chargers still went four for four on fourth downs. Now, the problem was, and this kind of echoes my point of it being kind of a gross game. First of all, between the two teams, there were 12 punts. L.A., Uh, 5 of 16 on third down. So they had a lot of chances to go for it on fourth down, which is why I think as we were watching it, it felt like they were passing on a lot of those opportunities. And the Chiefs weren't much better on third down. They were 4 of 12. Uh, But again, I'm kind of in the same boat you are as, you know, a win is a win. Also, nine penalties between the two teams, six for Kansas City. So, you know, the the good thing about winning a game like that is it's not all roses for Kansas City. I think they know that they've got some things to work on uh, if they're going to be a Super Bowl contender. And so it it gives them, you know, a, a full week plus nine days now to get ready for their next game and really dive in and and work on some things I also think that last night you know with Travis Kelsey essentially being locked down he only had 50 yards which has kind of been par for the course against the Chargers because Derwin Derwin James is the only guy in the NFL that has got Travis Kelsey figured out Uh, I thought that that played a role as well you know the Chiefs receivers I think still have a long ways to go in terms of getting on the same page with Mahomes there wasn't a Sky Moore sighting last night he didn't have a catch Valdez Scantling uh, had minimal touches last night you know outside of Kelsey it was Justin Watson who was the preseason star that led this team in receiving had a nice touchdown grab so uh, I think that you know a a lot to be left on the table last night with the receivers we got to talk about that because that touchdown grab it was a lot more than just a touchdown grab he made uh, an unbelievable move and just absolutely cooked J.C. Jackson, one of the best defensive backs in the NFL. And this guy that no one's heard of until basically yesterday just absolutely toasted him for a massive touchdown that kind of flipped the momentum and gave Chiefs the Chiefs some life. Because before that, the offense was stalling and it didn't look like Patrick Mahomes had any form of rhythm. Where did this guy come from, and yeah. how, how did that happen, even? Well, and his second catch was impressive as well. A toe tap yeah. on the sideline that was a big first down. To answer your question, he played his college ball at Penn in the Ivy League. He was a, an FCS superstar. He's been bouncing around training camps the last couple of years. He's in his mid-20s, but his last stop was Tampa Bay. He worked a lot with all those Tampa Bay receivers and Tom Brady, uh, made the team, played in Tampa, but was like their seventh guy last year, and he's making an impact so far. It was, it was impressive. Now, for the Chargers side of things, another big takeaway that I had was that Justin Herbert is a dog. 
He was battling through what looked to be a pretty serious rib injury. He took a couple of shots back-to-back, and he was laboring, had to come out for like a play or two, comes back in, and at one point he had a chance to where if he's healthy, he could scramble to grab not only a first down but a good chunk of yardage because he's a good runner, but he decided to just like toss a half-hearted pass into the dirt to end the play because he didn't he couldn't run. Hardly at all. And the very next play delivers probably the prettiest pass thrown by either quarterback last night. A laser 40 yards downfield, which ended up setting up the Chargers uh, touchdown late to, to cover the spread at the end of the game and get within three. But my impression on that is... I, as much as I already was a believer in Justin Herbert, I am even more so now because he was playing through that and he just had that dog in him. You know, you hear that saying now, and he, he wasn't going to be pulled from that game because he wanted to win so badly. And hopefully it's not a serious injury, but just I was really impressed by, by just the grit that he showed to even be still playing in the end of that game. No, he's a baller. And keep in mind, everything he did last night, 315 yards, didn't have a single. Well, he had he had one interception that was the pick six that was probably a bad throw. But outside of that, uh, he had a really good game. And keep in mind, the Chargers really struggled rushing the football. He also had some drops by his running backs yeah. on, on what could have been big gains early on in the contest. I'm always impressed by him. I think that you can make the case that we saw – two of maybe the top two quarterbacks in the NFL, certainly two of the top three or four, I would say, last night um, between Mahomes and, and Herbert, which you know those guys are going to battle head-to-head for years and years. But just to touch on you know the Chargers, my overall thoughts on them is that they are a lot better than they were a season ago. They have shored up that defense, and Derwin James being healthy, remember he missed almost all of last season, Adding Khalil Mack, who was in on a lot of plays. You already have Bosa, J.C. Jackson, even though he did get burnt once. Him and Asante Samuel all of a sudden is a really nice combo in the defensive backfield. Uh, I think this is a Chargers team in Jackson. Let me rattle off their upcoming schedule. Jaguars, Texans, Browns, Broncos, Seahawks, Falcons, 49ers. I'm up to seven. You you find a game in there that they can't win. No, I mean, they, I mean, they can and very well should win all seven of those. They could they could be made. on a seven game winning streak the next time they play the Chiefs, which is game number eight on their upcoming schedule. Yeah, the I will say also that interception might have been equal parts a mistake throwing the ball from Justin Herbert and a mistake because I looked back at that play and Gerald Everett was gassed. He had made oh, two or yeah. three catches on that drive already and what he's not a young tight end. No, he's in his 30s. Yeah, he's but but he made a couple of big pl- he was huge last night I'll say for the Chargers, but he was exhausted and it looked like a, a combination of him having no energy to make a proper cut on that out route. It looked like he was half-hearted. And if it was half-hearted on on effort or energy, I don't know. Or if it was just that he wasn't sure that was the route he was supposed to run. But it just didn't look right. And credit to to just Justin Watson or Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson. Too There's many a lot Watsons. of Watsons. And they're all new to the team, which <laughs> but, is even more confusing. Jalen Watson just stepped right in front of it. Like the, it was just the easiest pick six he may ever have in his NFL career, and he just took it to the house. So credit to him for making the play. But I was just 
confused on how that even unfolded, both from it being thrown and the route being run the way it was. You can go back and look, and I promise you, you will not see a more, we'll call it half-assed, I will, a route run by a tight end in that kind of a situation probably all year. It's just really puzzling. Well, and Jalen Watson, real quick, just to wrap up this segment, is a fantastic story. This kid was was bagging groceries in college, just just Juco College, by the way, I might add, just trying to make it and continue to play football. Ends up getting a scholarship offer from Washington State, was honorable mention, all Pac-12 conference um, during the, the shortened COVID year. And then he was another honorable mention, all Pac-12 guy the year after. And the Chiefs took a flyer on him. They took him in this most recent draft, round seven, pick 243, one of the last picks in the NFL draft. But they liked his length. He's 6'2", 197 pounds, and that length made a huge play last night. He ended up with six tackles and a pick, and he also broke up two other passes. So Chiefs may have found a gem in the secondary in this kid in the seventh round. Just might have. Again, Chiefs beat the Chargers last night 27-24 on Thursday Night Football, the first ever broadcast on Amazon Prime. What's What are your takeaways? I know how you're feeling early about the chemistry, at least, of Kirk Herbstreet and Al Michaels. It wasn't quite there, and I'll, I'll give you that, but I thought it was pretty good, honestly. It looked good. All the graphics and things seemed to go smoothly. It seemed like a pretty good broadcast for it being, you know, the first one. Yeah, I thought that the Gen Stats stuff, which was on like a separate channel, looked really cool. Um, it's pretty impressive what they can do. They give you that all 22 view, which a lot of fans have been thirsting for for years and years. So from that standpoint, it was good. Looking on social media, it was super divided. And ultimately, what I think it came down to was your internet connection in your respective area. Yep. My picture last night was terrible. And that is the only channel that I've watched a live sporting event where it hasn't been crystal clear. My ESPN Plus stuff is crystal clear. My YouTube TV stuff is crystal clear. My Paramount stuff is crystal clear. Mine was incredibly blurry last night. And so that was the main issue that I had. And then I get online and other people are saying it's the best picture they've ever seen. See, I, I think it was it just comes down to your internet, obviously. Because for 75% of that game, my, it was flawless. It looked incredible. But for about a chunk of the middle of the third quarter to early in the fourth quarter, and I'm glad it f- somehow fixed itself towards the end of the game, but it was it was grainy. It, it was clearly like a, not fully loading or something. It was just a little slow. Uh, so it didn't look as good as normal. But even then, you know, I understand that that's kind of an internet thing and it's not really in Amazon's control, I don't think. Uh, so I'm not going to get mad at them for my internet being slow, you know. Uh, but grand scheme of things, for it being Thursday night, I, you know, every once in a while I'll watch a game like that, especially if my team's playing. I thought it was totally fine. And and, and I, I really do think... Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet will be a really good tandem do moving you? forward. I do. I think another thing that might have been contributing to where there wasn't that normal chemistry between broadcasters is just the fact that Kirk Herbstreet's been a college football guy for 95% of his career, you know? It's a little bit different. And it's it's the lights probably are a little bit brighter for him, which is crazy to say for a guy that's been on primetime college football for almost 20 something years and been on college game day, but it is different. And and I bet he was 
feeling that a little bit last night, but in the grand scheme of things, I thought he did a pretty dang good job. Yeah, I just, I'm not sold on the combo. Um, it was weird to hear Kirk Herbstreet making so many you're old jokes to, to Al Michaels, <laughs> but he's he's not wrong. I mean, Al Michaels is almost 30 years older than Kirk Herbstreet. So the, it's just, it's, an, it's a weird <laughs> dynamic because I view Kirk as being a real high energy guy. And Chris Fowler's a pretty high energy guy. He's phenomenal on, on college game day, his college football partner. I just think they're a great team. Al Michaels is so like chill and, and old school and Kirk's kind of a new age guy so I don't know how I feel about them together I actually liked say what you want about Joe Buck and Troy Aikman those two guys can finish each other's sentences yep. you know you love them or you hate them I, I get that but in terms of their chemistry it's off the charts so I thought the Monday night football broadcast on ESPN ran circles around what I saw last night yeah it was we'll see I, I would agree with that one but uh, again it's only week two on that regard I guess but we got to get to our first break when we come back we'll take a look at our college and pro picks for the weekend one of us had a really good weekend the other had a questionable one at best so wow. we'll, we'll have that when we come back here on in the zone on 1150 This Friday edition of In the Zone is coming at you live, obviously, from our KSAL studios, which is aptly dubbed the Next Tech Wireless Studio on Friday. They power us each Friday on the show. I am Jackson Schneider with James Wessling. And uh, Next Tech Wireless, lowest rates, flexible plans, and exceptional customer service and coverage everywhere you are. You can say to be say goodbye to being just a number and say hello to something different at Next Tech Wireless. Great read, dude. Yeah, Crushed not, it. not my best, but uh, <laughs> apologies to our good friends at uh, Next Tech Wireless for me puking all over myself that on that ad read. It was beautiful, but well, it, trust me, it wouldn't be any different, uh, you know, than my college and pro football picks over hey, the last weekend. Did so. I ever tell you the story about? how there's a TV anchor in Los Angeles, because a lot of guys, when they mess up or stumble, yeah. whether oh, it's radio or TV, have yes. I told you this story? About gonna, how he messed up on he purpose? He messes up on purpose. There's yep. a TV anchor out in LA, and he stumbles over his words on purpose because he doesn't want to come off as a robot. So when you flub, you know, it used to really eat me up inside, especially on TV. Now, it's just like, it is what it is. Yeah, well, I messed up plenty, as I was saying, though, on these college football picks, James. Okay. I haven't told you Wait. how you went. Yeah, yeah. We both went three and two in college, which is fine. Not bad at all. Pro is where you started to flex some muscle last weekend. Ooh. You went five and oh, oh in my. your pro picks. Oh wow. And if you remember, we had opposite picks for every pro <laughs> selection. Which means 0 for 5 for your boy last weekend in the first week of our NFL picks. So James, you have an 8 to 8 and 2 advantage to my 3 and 7 through one week of picks and for that reason I will give you again the selection would you prefer college or pro to Eight start it today? 8 and 2. I think we need to keep the train rolling with starting with college first, okay. kind of ease into the NFL. College is actually supposed to be an easier handicap, but my NFL stuff was pretty on point. I, I I felt good, you know, going into my Sunday. I didn't know it was that good. I, 
I'm going to choose to to employ the mindset that we're learning as we go, and we we literally can't do any worse. We might do just as bad, but I got to get better, clearly. Uh, so let's start with college, like you said. Uh, first game we have is the second playing in the last two years of the game of the century or whatever, uh, which has lost plenty of its luster over the last week now. But Oklahoma is at Nebraska. The Sooners are 11-point favorites, James. Would you like to pick first? Sure. I can pick first. Um, this is a tough line. 11 is is kind of hovering around a really key number in 10. I'm going to take Nebraska. Um, there's not a lot of data to support interim coaches having um, impressive openers. A lot of times teams play really hard for that interim coach, but it usually doesn't impact the line. Uh, coaches are 6-6 are six and six in their last 12 games against the spread, interim coaches in their first game. I just think that the number's a little bit high for an Oklahoma team that was down by three final seconds of, of the first half, second quarter, against Kent State. They flipped the switch in the second half, but they didn't look good in their, in, in their win. So I think it's going to be a pretty close game. See, I, I think it will be a very close first half. So if I were giving gambling advice, which I would never take gambling advice from me, first of all, um, but I would say I would take Nebraska first half, and I would think that Oklahoma will push away, much like they have in each of their first two games against UTEP and against Kent State uh, in the second half. So I think that Oklahoma will win by two scores. I'll take them. Minus the 11 here, but I do think Nebraska is going to come out firing early. So maybe Nebraska first half spread or first half money line, if that's your shot, to take it. But I really just think that Oklahoma is going to have too much um, given the circumstances right now surrounding the Huskers. Uh, but that's where I stand. Next game, we'll go out to the West Coast and have BYU at Oregon. And the Ducks are three and a half point favorites. Um, in this one at Autzen Stadium. But I, I'm going to take BYU. I'm going to ride with the Cougs after their big win over Baylor. It's kind of an interesting spot, but I just, my my opinion on Oregon is, is tainted because of how badly Georgia beat them in week one. And seeing BYU win kind of a grinder type game against Baylor last weekend, I'm going to take the Cougars. I like BYU as well. Um, that half point is what's keeping me from taking Oregon. I think BYU can keep this within a field goal. BYU gets really up for these Pac-12 games. Remember, they ran the table last year against the Pac-12. And I think a lot of it has to do with these Pac-12 schools not taking BYU as serious as they should. Uh, BYU had two players that were questionable in the Baylor game that both played and were very impactful, a running back and a receiver. And again, this just this looks like a game that on paper BYU can maybe even win. Hmm. I I think they could could win it. I would be a little surprised to be honest with you uh, if they do. But I just I think it's going to go down to the wire. And I'm I'm exactly with you. That half point is very important yep. for for this game. Um, this next one is probably the most interesting of these lines that I was looking at. Miami is going to College Station and they're taking on Texas A and M. And the Aggies, fresh off of a loss to Appalachian State, are six and a half point favorites, which I, it's it's very confusing and it feels like a trap, and and obviously it's a good bounce back game for Texas A and M. I just think Miami's a lot better than I originally would have thought they are. 
Um, and so I'm going to take the Hurricanes plus that six and a half, and I think they're going to win outright. I like Miami as well, and I like Miami to win outright as well. I'm a little concerned that you, are, you and I are, are agreeing so much here in this first segment, but I don't know, and it does feel like a trap. This, this line looks way too juicy, but Texas A&M's quarterback had analytically one of the worst Power 5 performances since they started tracking these advanced stats. Uh, he, he made just some terrible throws. He had receivers open. He was just bad. And he was bad last year at LSU, which is why he ultimately transferred. Uh, Miami has looked good. They haven't played anybody. But with this being, what are we taking it at? Five? Uh, six and a half. Six and, six a, and half? a half? Oh, no way does Texas A&M win this game by a touchdown. I'll eat a lot of crow next week if that happens. <laughs> uh, I don't think you're going to have to. I think A&M could win, but I just don't. There's no way it's like by more than that i just it's just not not the team i saw last week anyway there's just no chance because that that appalachian state team by the way gave up like 65 to north carolina yeah they were exhausted and a&m scored 14 points and one of them was a kick return Mm -hmm. so that offense needs some work for jimbo fisher uh next game we'll go to manhattan k-state hosting tulane in what will undoubtedly be the uniform game of the week. James, did you see the uniforms that uh, Tulane's going to be rocking? No, with what are they this wearing? Weekend? I will pull them up. But uh, K State obviously is going to be rocking their uh, alternate flag willy helmets that we've talked about a little bit earlier in the week. Um, and Tulane is traditionally a very good uniform matchup, but uh, check that one out, James. Oh, my gosh. The uh, teal a... blue helmet with the green wave, like the fighting wave throwback logo for them. It's going to be really cool. But uh, I just don't think that uh, Tulane's going to hang with K-State at all. We've I've put this line at 14 because that's where you'll find it at most books right now. But I'll take K-State minus the 14. And I, I like them to win very comfortably on Saturday. Yep, I like K-State as well. Now, K-State typically in this spot, coming off a big non-conference win, does not play well. And going into a big conference matchup, they won't show anything, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think K-State's going to win this game by three, maybe four touchdowns. I think Tulane's offense is in for a wake-up call. They've played two of the worst teams. They have the worst schedule in FBS right now. Okay, They played UMass, who was literally <laughs> analytically the worst school in FBS a season ago, week one. And they are they are the worst the worst team currently in this most year power rating yeah. systems this year there you go and then they played alcorn state who's a very <laughs> bad fcs school so the fact that they're two and oh i just think is really overblown i'm shocked that the line is this low i thought it'd be closer to what it was against south dakota uh, a game that k-state covered as well so i just think k-state's that much better K-State could play bad and still win by 17. I, th- I think that that's exactly where I feel about that. Because I don't feel like K-State played that great against uh, South or yeah South Dakota, and they still won 34 to yeah. nothing. This could be yeah. like a 24 to 7 gross game, and K-State still covers. Exactly. I, th- I think that's ex- we're on the same wavelength there. Now let's see if we're on the same wavelength for our last pick of the college slate. Kansas at Houston tomorrow afternoon. The Cougars are nine-point favorites over Kansas, who's 2-0 for the first time since 2011. 
I'll go first, and I'm, I'm taking KU. I think KU keeps it within nine. I don't know that they win this game. If they win this game, uh, KU's probably going to be receiving some votes in the top 25. The over-under on this game, which I think it's a shootout, is dropping. It's down to 57 and a half. I would be all over the over in that one. I think it's a 30-something, a 30-something game, just like Houston's first two games have been. Uh, their game against UTSA was 37-35. Their game against Texas Tech was 33-30. to Both were close, and I think this one's within a touch down either way I'm gonna take Houston and my I'm I'm game for one of these a week and it is the reverse jinx situation because if I sit here and I pick Houston Kansas is keeping it close that's just how this this shakes out so Jayhawk fans out there you're welcome I'll take Houston minus the nine and just bite the bullet for the team here because I think this is very much a winnable game for Kansas if they can control the tempo and I really like them in this spot because I think that Houston's in a rough patch. They they had to win in triple overtime against a really good UTSA team and they just had to lose in overtime at Texas Tech. They're tired and Kansas is a team that's going to run it down your throat and make you even more tired. So I don't know. It's going to be a close one but I'll, I'll take Houston just for just for Jinx's sake. That'll take us to our NFL slate, James, and uh, let's just keep it rolling here. Okay. First game, t- uh, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. The Buccaneers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Who you got? This one, ultimately, for me, comes down to Tom Brady against Jameis Winston, and with that, I'm taking the Buccaneers. I don't think Tampa Bay's as good as they were a season ago. I took the Saints on our pick'em. By the way, I tried to go back and change it, but it's already locked uh, because I, I I have flipped to Tampa Bay. I think they control the clock with Leonard Fournette. Uh, I just think that their defense is better than the Saints, and I think that Tampa Bay is going to take it. See, everything is telling me like in my brain to take the Buccaneers. Uh, But there's one thing that I am very good about looking at, and it's the public interest versus the, the sharps, right? So 60% of the public bet is on Tampa Bay money line. 77% of the money is on the saints. So I'm going to roll with the sharps here and roll my dice, and I'm going to take the Saints plus the two and a half, and maybe they get a little bit of an eyebrow-raising win for Jameis Winston. But, uh, okay, okay. I don't yeah, hate it. I you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, down, but... I'm a big Jameis, Jameis fan. <laughs> but uh, that'll take us to our second straight road favorite, um, New England, fresh off of their thumping they took from the Dolphins last week. Two-point favorites at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this one is one that I've really kind of, I was surprised when I saw that that line. And just thinking about it right now, like Pittsburgh barely, barely got it done at Cincinnati. Like they, it took every bone, every gift from God above to win in overtime. And even that almost wasn't enough. Uh, and I think that Cincinnati turned the ball over five times last week and they won in overtime. So... One thing I know the Patriots will not do is turn the ball over five times, and for that reason, I'm going to take the Pats. I'm going to take the Saints here. Uh, uh, some Saints, geez, still thinking about that Tampa Bay game. Uh, I'm going to take the Steelers here. I think this game will be ugly. I don't know what the over-under is, but I think it'll be low scoring. And I just I keep thinking that New England's going to have a major you know, uh, uh, bounce-back spot and end up with a good season. 
But I think Mac Jones might be a little bit broken, and there's a lot of pressure on him. And, you know, he's in a spot when he was at Alabama, he was the golden child. He was the golden boy. And now the media is starting to kind of pile on up there in the upper Northeast. This just feels like a game where the Steelers are going to win it gross and ugly, get some, some, some key plays and special teams or with takeaways, and get it done. It's an interesting one for sure. Here's here's one that's made me scratch my head a little bit. Houston tied last week at Indianapolis. And so I'm not sure how I feel about them. But they are going to Denver. And Denver lost by one on Monday Night Football. So shorter week for them. But the Broncos are 10-point favorites at home. That's a big spread in the NFL, especially for two teams that have yet to win a game and the team that was closer to winning a game, arguably. Um, they're the one that's the dog here. So how do you feel about the Texans plus 10 at Denver? Oh, man, these are tough this week because I could see Denver coming out angry and blowing the Texans out. However, the Texans are a team that, as bad as they are wins and losses-wise, they cover a lot. So I'm going to take the Texans. I think the Texans are in for a bunch of close games this year. Davis Mills was not the problem last week. In fact, he was fantastic. 240 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, had a quarterback rating right around where Russell Wilson's, uh, Wilson's was against Seattle. Both teams can run the football fairly well. Both teams are, are sound defensively. I just think it's within 10. I think Denver probably wins but I think it's more like a touchdown. I, I think that's about where I feel. So I'll be honest. I was not convinced after watching the Broncos on Monday night that they're as good as, as a lot of people were making them out to be early on. Um, and I'm going to need to see it from them before I say that they're going to be covering a 10-point spread against even, even the lowly Houston Texans. So I'm going to take Houston also. Um and I think I'm with you. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. But man, this is a big spot for for the Broncos because if they can get right and win comfortably, maybe people, including myself, will start to buy in on them being actually a pretty darn good football team. But still, remains to be seen. Two winless squads in our next one. The Arizona Cardinals got thumped by Kansas City last week. They are on the road at Las Vegas. The Raiders lost by four or five. I can't remember. Close loss to the Chargers in week one. But the Raiders are five and a half point favorites. Five and a half over the Arizona Cardinals. But I'm going to take this one first and say that I'm going to take the Raiders. And it's exactly based on what I saw from the char- the the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Because one thing that I know that the Raiders can do, and can do especially now that they have Devontae Adams, is throw the football. And that Cardinals secondary was Swiss cheese against the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so I'm going to take the, the Las Vegas Raiders minus the 5.5. I like that Swiss cheese. Give me the Cardinals. I think it's going to be closer than 5.5. I think it could be 4. I think it could be 5. But I think the Cardinals hang around. Again, one of the things that that I've learned through all this is week one, especially in college football um, and the NFL, but but I use college as the example. Week one is such a bad litmus test for week two, and a lot of people jump on one team or abandon another team because of how they looked week one. I'm just going to cross my fingers and hope that the Cardinals (laughs) look better, that they got some things figured out, because I think talent-wise on paper, this should be an evenly matched game uh, and go down to the wire. 
I just I'm I'm not putting hypothetical money or hypothetical picks. I I can't stake that uh, on a defense that looked that suspect last week. As good as the Chiefs' offense is, there's no way. I'm because I think that the Raiders are going to toss all over them. Uh, that brings us to our last pick, and it is the Bears at the Packers. And Green Bay got thumped last week as well. I think it was 23-7 to they lost to the Minnesota Vikings. But they are 10-point favorites over the 1-0 Chicago Bears, who won playing a slip-and-slide football game at Soldier Field over the San Francisco 49ers. Did you see how wet it was Mm-mm. at Soldier Field? No, I didn't. There, were, there was inches, literal inches of water. Standing water all over Soldier Field's field to the point where the paint lines were washed out. And on the football broadcast, all the lines on the field had to be digitally oh, like, wow. put on there because you couldn't see it in the field. But That's wild. Uh, it, was, it will not be those conditions in Green Bay on Sunday. But a 10-point spread, again, is, is rather large. You want me to go first? I'll go first, okay. and I'll go first and say I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to take the Bears, because as bad as they're supposed to be, uh, that that Packers offense looked gross. Seven points. I mean, they're feeling, obviously, the effects of figuring out who the heck they're going to have to throw to. Alan Lazard might play. They're working on getting him healthy after missing last week. He's supposed to be wide receiver one for Aaron Rodgers, but man... I just don't trust that offense right now. I think it's going to be a low-scoring slugfest, and 10 points is way too many. I agree. Uh, this is the pick that I feel of every game we've we, we've picked, this is the one that I feel strongest about. Uh, I think the Bears go into Green Bay and maybe even win this game. And I think a lot of it has to do with the, the fact that Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to say he doesn't care, but I think he's at a point in his career where – his uh, give a you know what meter might be broken. <laughs> like like he got his 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 big fat paycheck. He got his big his big contract. He got he got his big you know screw you for never drafting me a receiver message through when he won the MVP and put together some really really good seasons the last couple of years. But they get rid of Devonte Adams. They draft a guy that nobody knows anything about late in the second round. And week one, he didn't even have 200 yards. He had a pick. He had no touchdowns. He's 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 really starting to kind of open up to the media. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple of weeks ago for a full three and a half hours. Just this week, he was on the Barstool Sports podcast for over an hour. And he, he he's really allowing us to I, I get to know him in ways that we haven't. And I just think that he's kind of ticked off at the way the organization has treated him over the years. Um, you, you know, it's it's on record that he doesn't get along with his general manager, loves his coach, but doesn't get along with the powers that be. And so I think that he's just going to go out there and, and kind of try to manage the game and, and still try to win. But I just don't know that he has that fire to, to scare people anymore. So I'm taking the Bears. All right. I like it. I, I, I've bought in to everything you've said to reinforce <laughs> how I felt about that game anyways. But uh, those are our college and pro picks for this coming weekend. We'll step aside now for our final break. We'll send you into the weekend with some high school football notes right after this. You're listening to In the Zone on 1150 KSAL.
final segment here on In the Zone. Jackson Schneider wrapping things up. James Weston had to head out. He's going down to Tulsa to do a college football game this weekend. So he's bolting out the door, and I will wrap things up flying solo here just to give you a little rundown of the high school football games in our area for tonight. But before we get to to that one, we did have one last night, a rare Thursday contest for the El Celine Cardinals as they will fall to 2-1 and one on the season, losing 46-14 to 14 at the hands of an eight-man power at Little River last night. Again, El Celine now 2-1, and one, falling 46-14 to 14 at Little River last night. Uh, tonight on our radio waves, the Abilene Cowboys are in action. You can catch them each week on the General 1560 KABI. This week they're at Clay Center, Abilene. Broke a 25-game losing skid on the first game of the season. They're 2-0 now, looking at a possible 3-0 start. It would be a huge one for Coach Brad Nix and the Cowboys. Again, Trent Sanchez and Ron Preston on the call on KABI for the Cowboys. Here on 1150 KSAL, I will head over here just momentarily to Salina Stadium as Salina Central plays host to the Emporia Spartans. Uh, first matchup between these two teams since 2009. Both teams at 1-1 one and one currently looking for their second wins of the season on each sideline. On Y93.7, Jacob Simpson heading down to Wichita for Salina South at Hayesville Campus. As South is 0-2, Campus is 0-2. Somebody is getting their first win of the season tonight, and you can catch that one again on Y93.7. And finally, our Meridian Media Game of the Week. Free admission to this one, thanks to Bennington State Bank. If you want to get out to Minneapolis and watch a high school football game for free tonight, you'll get a good one. 2-0 Minneapolis hosting 2A's number one team, 2-0 southeast of Saline. Todd Cynical will have the broadcast of that one again on FM 104.9 for our Meridian Media Game of the Week. And then, of course, coming up right after this show, Michael St. John will take you more in-depth on each of those matchups for another edition of High School Game Day. That's coming up here in just a little bit, but... Wrapping up In the Zone, I have been Jackson Schneider. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you Monday at 515 right here on 1150 KSAL.